Everybody, welcome to Revved Up for Sunday. We're the clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm Peter Walsh. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey. I'm Justin Crisp. What we do here is weekly we take a look at the scripture that's coming up in the week to come. This week's scripture for the fourth Sunday of Epiphany is a continuation of the scripture from the third Sunday of Epiphany. So let's set the context here. Last week we heard uh, that Jesus had come to his hometown of Nazareth and he Uh, As was his custom, he went into the synagogue and he opened up the scroll and read from Isaiah 61. Then he gives the shortest sermon of all time, which is the beginning of the scriptures. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And this nearly gets him killed. So, let's take a look at this. Jesus began to speak in the synagogue at Nazareth. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to the widow at Zarephath in Sidon, There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Okay. Talk about a cliffhanger. Oh, <laughs> but, um, boom. man, I was a little weak on the start here. Sorry, folks. But, yeah, you're making up ground on that. <laughs> uh, but seriously, what I'm always struck by when we read this story is just how fickle the crowd's affections are. I mean, I think that the crowd is almost a character in mm-hmm. the gospel narratives. This is an, an idea um, uh, that I've... Uh, that I was introduced to by Willie Jennings, um, who's a professor of theology at Yale. And um, the crowds, <laughs> the crowd, the crowd's emotions are, it's not, capricious is not the right word, but they're unpredictable. I mean, they turn on Jesus on a dime. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love the hyperbole of all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. I don't, I mean, all, every single one. Now, I mean, we were talking last week about how, you know, perhaps there are like 15 families, right, in this, in the synagogue in Nazareth, which is like the equivalent of DuPont Baptist Church in the mountain community where I grew up. Uh, So maybe, yeah, out of like, if only one person from each of those families came, maybe you could get consensus on something. Right, yeah, 10 men. Maybe you could get consensus from 10 men on who all thought well of something that this guy said. But uh, anyway, it's just to say, it's, 
the, the text itself is hyperbolic, right? It's trying to show us mm-hmm. uh, this incredible contrast between everybody speaking well of Jesus, whether that's literally true or not, and then everybody wants to hurl him off of a cliff. I think that the author of Luke's gospel is showing us just how, um, uh, both how, both how quickly groupthink can set in and how quickly human communities can turn capricious, even if they're not capricious at their core. It's very easy when we, uh, it, it's very easy for the snowball to just to, 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 to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger here as we turn against one another or turn against somebody like Jesus. Uh, but also, there, something was polarizing about Jesus' mm-hmm. message. Something about it first captivated his hometown and then caused his hometown to reject him, right? Uh, whether it ended with a literal cliffhanger, I, mm. I don't know. And I actually don't think that's, that's, that's the heart of the story. You know, yeah. Did the people like yeah. actually lead him to the cliff and try to throw him off or something? Um, I think that the hyperbole is to show us just to show us the vicissitudes of the heart of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Knowing that we're all members of our own crowds, mm-hmm. too. Oh, yeah. I think the crowd is, as you say, its own character in these Gospels, all the Gospels. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I think in Luke here, we have this whole chapter as a, you know, mini, if it was a mini series, this would be a whole episode, you know, or maybe three episodes, <laughs> yeah. where he, he goes right from being 12 in chapter 3 in the synagogue to here in chapter four, he's a grown up and he's unrolling the scroll. You know, it's showing his progression as a regular observant to going to the synagogue and participating, you know, taking his place among the minion mm-hmm. of 10 and, you know, reading, teaching. You know, he's in his hometown. He's, he's a sincerely Jew, Jewish practicing person. And everything he does is in the context of their scriptures, their synagogues. Um, his own, you know, he's home, he's with family, he's with people, and um, he's, he's speaking something new to them about their own scriptures, I think, that mm. that gets them upset, you know, he, because he, they're not, he's not highlighting the things they want highlighted. Mm, no, that's for sure. You know, that's and I, sure. I think they do like to hear Isaiah, and they like to hear that Jubilee is near, and, you know, it's upon them. And the minute he reminds them that it's not only for them, mm. they're a little agitated by that, I think, by the time we get to the end. So, you know, he, his whole plan is to, to expand and to, like, call them back to this position of being a, a chosen people for the world. And, you know, they, they want him for themselves. They want his reputation to come home and... Um, spread fame for them, you know, or something like Mm -hmm. that, maybe. And then by the time he's reminding them, well, you know, Elijah went to the foreign widow. Elisha went to the foreign leper. And they're like, oh, you know, they don't want to hear that. (laughs) So I think, you know, it's the same for the church that, you know, to, to come to our own, the truth of our own scriptures that we don't like being reminded of or that, that would too much uproot our systems and our ways we want to hurl it over the cliff yeah. or bury mm-hmm. it. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus is always going somewhere else. He's not going to be... One commentator I read said, Jesus um, doesn't go elsewhere because he's rejected. He's rejected because he's going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's or good. going outside of their, their own people. 
Yeah, yeah that's good. Boy, both of you, excellent, excellent. I, I just say that this, there's so much happening in the scripture, it's crazy. Uh, and you highlighted beautifully the whole question uh, of what happens when he quotes back to them about Elijah and Elisha. But I would say there, he's got, uh, there's ambiguity all over the place here. And the crowd most assuredly is a character in this. But So when he, I think Jesus, uh, and uh, commentators believe, uh, some of them, that Jesus has gone home for Rosh Hashanah. Right, because mm. this is the scripture for Rosh Hashanah. So he's come home for the new year. He reads the scripture. He he chooses from the prophet because they would read from the prophets, and he he's as the the guest preacher of the day chooses from him. And then when he says today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, which we talked about last week, he's really saying it is fulfilled in me. So this Rosh Hashanah piece about the Messiah is fulfilled in me. So this comes as like oh, right? Oh, wow. And then uh, it says, and all spoke well of him. Uh, my understanding is that that's the Greek word there is um, the same word we get martyr or witness from. So mm. it could be translated, they witnessed for him, mm. like mm. they spoke well, or they witnessed against him. And we call a witness in the court. It's usually because the dude did it. You see, the witness saw he did it, right? So we think witness against, but this is, they're choosing witness for, but there's ambiguity there. Mm. And all were amazed at his gracious words. Well, that, that um, you know, some of the, in the old scripture was marveled. Mm -hmm. And are they marveled at, wow, this guy, who would have guessed it? This, this, he, this dude is something. Or mm -hmm. can you believe his arrogance? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And did they marvel at this guy, at his arrogance? That would make more sense. And, and so we have translators who are, telling, who are translating in such a way, and we're going, oh, it was like this, though. The Greek doesn't tell us it's like this. And then um, uh, we get into this, this question. I just want to even pause before we get into him quoting the scriptures back to him. Is this not Joseph's son, which we take as a monumental put-down, mm. right? <laughs> Man, and, and we get this in the other, in, in Matthew and Mark. Is this not the carpenter's kid? Is this not the carpenter? Mm -hmm. And you notice in, uh, in, you know, just like whatever this is, mm -hmm. this guy ain't that guy, right? Mm -hmm. not, and, and, and I think that something that I've come upon recently, which I think is really, really fun. No, it's not actually Joseph's son. It's God's son. Right? Okay. <laughs> this, this is the mic dropper thing in here that we zing by all the time. Mm -hmm. So as we would say, fully human and fully divine here, and the stuff that Jesus is doing is not because he's Joseph's son. It's because mm -hmm. he's the son of God. Mm -hmm. And so they can't understand that. And so they're looking at this thing through the wrong paradigm. And then we get Jesus, who just comes right at him, right? I mean, if there's one thing this guy knows how to do, it's how to poke people, right? Yeah. I mean, he is the son of God, the poker. And so then we get this proverb that is proverbial in, in all there, you know, heal yourself and do what you've done in Capernaum, which is the center of his ministry. And then he quotes back to him that he's going to the Gentiles. And mm -hmm. that's like, pew, that's too much. Yeah, too much. And I'll just mm -hmm. say last thing, I know I've talked too long here for our conversation, oh. but Nazareth as a little hamlet is in a very Gentile territory. Mm -hmm. Nazareth is a Jewish town, just the way you would go to so many of these towns now mm -hmm. uh, where they have Jewish areas and then they have Palestinian or, or Muslim or Christian areas. Uh, these, are, these are areas that are holed up. And so we have a thing here. We have a, we have a religious racial thing going on here all mixed mm -hmm. together at the same time. And so they are tee-offed. Mm -hmm. on this this is this mm -hmm. is a thing for people of nazareth galileans it's not a, not a good thing yeah mm -hmm. I, on 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 just that note when we're talking about um 
the widow and Naaman, the Syrian, the, the leper. And uh, for those of you following, <laughs> following along at home, the stories that Jesus is referring to. So the story of the, of the widow and Elijah is found in 1 Kings chapter 17. And the story of Naaman is in 2 Kings chapter 5, if you want to go take a look at those. They are incredible stories. I mean, I, I was looking at the story of, of the widow and Elijah this morning, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is worth a sermon. Yeah. Uh, but, so this is an intra-Jewish debate that's going on here, right? Amen. Every single character in this episode of the Jesus miniseries mm-hmm. is Jewish. Mm-hmm. And part of what, uh, so, it, so it's, um, it's easy mm-hmm. for us now, I think, and it has historically been easy for us to hear this as a Christian Jewish debate. And that's not what's going on here. Yeah. It's an intra-Jewish debate. And Jesus is partly trying to tell his, to tell this Jewish community of which he is a part that the mission to the Gentiles has always been God's idea. So it's Luke's agenda we've been talking about to foreground this aspect of Jesus' ministry. It's not that it's incompatible with anything we find in Matthew, Mark, or John, but it's Luke's, it's one of Luke's uh, historical agendas, his storytelling agendas to, to foreground this aspect of Jesus' ministry, his inclusion of the Gentiles in the new covenant that he, that's going to be created in and through him. Jesus is trying to point out in this follow-up to his first sermon, this has actually always been God's idea. Right. God has always been including the Gentiles in different ways, right? Uh, and so here are two particular stories which involve miracles and healings, which is what he anticipates this community is going to ask him to do in response to the sermon that he gave, the reading uh, from Isaiah, etc. And he's saying, do here in your hometown the things that we've heard you did at Capernaum. I, you know, did the people actually ask Jesus to do this? Uh, and then the text is just recording his, like, anticipation of their doing it? Or did Jesus just anticipate that because of something in human nature, what you're going to get is when you come and you proclaim, you know, uh, liberation, God's liberation, God's jubilee, they're going to ask you for magic tricks or something like that. And he mm-hmm. says, no, no, no. If you want miracles, guess who the miracles have come to in the past? They went to the widow in Sidon and they went to Naaman, the Syrian, etc. And so it's, uh, he, he's trying to say, I think this has been the idea of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one whom I call father forever. This has always been God's idea. It's not mm-hmm. new. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is important, I think, for us to remember. It's, it's an intra-Jewish thing here. It's not a Christian-Jewish mm-hmm. thing, for modern interpreters, anyway. There is no Christian. Right. <laughs> That's right. Right. <laughs> right. I think there is a, a parallel here, though, for the modern-day Christian, mm-hmm. um, where, uh, as I was kind of saying before, um, when we hear scriptures that really rub us the wrong way and rub our culture the wrong way. The church has been quite nimble at finding a way around a Mm. lot of hard scriptures and creating doctrines and arguments for things like war. You know, the just war theory, I think, comes to mind first that, Mm. you know, the church put so much effort Mm. into carving that out. And there's really not a lot, to my mind, in the New Testament about... Uh, justifying war or violence mm. against an enemy. So um, 
it would it's the same you know if the if if people speak out for things like again for nonviolence and mm-hmm. um pacifism and so on they get rejected i mean yeah. by the church often not not all the churches but yeah, by a large portion of yeah. the establishment and yeah. um and things like you know justice for the poor and so, so things like that that we talked about last week a little bit um, I, I don't think it's totally different than what's going on here with Jesus within his own religious tradition, hmm. quoting back th- their own scriptures. And yeah. he's, he's pointing out, as you say, the, the method of, and the purpose of God is to expand across the whole world, the whole earth. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as Jesus goes, I mean, the church, there's something here for us to learn about if we stand up for the poor and those things like that, we can expect to be rejected by establishments yeah. Yeah. of power. Hmm. Uh, no doubt, hmm. no doubt, any prophetic voice, any prophetic voice has pushed back from the outside and from the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, coming back to the, the, the scripture, so Luke tells this scripture in a particular way, but this is also in Matthew and Mark, uh, and in Matthew and Mark, they're not seeking to throw Jesus headlong uh-huh. off the cliff, and we have a different right. take on this. And uh, just for those of you who are listening and perhaps might not know it, and I brought up the parallel gospels here this morning, uh, Jesus finds himself disempowered by his own hometown, and he says that uh, he was unable to do those miracles mm-hmm. except for lay his hands on uh, some sick and sick. cure them. Mm-hmm. And, and then the marveling is quite the opposite. It says on the way out of town, he says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Mm-hmm. So the marveling is from Jesus, like, oh, man, these, yeah. my, mm-hmm. my home team doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so there's a whole other kind of thing going on here. Uh, there's no hurling off the cliff. Jesus just kind of, like, you see Jesus walking away with shaking his head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Mark doesn't, doesn't, don't they say Jesus is out of his mind? His own family says he's. Out yeah, of his mind well, they do. They do come later to get Jesus. Remember when he's in Capernaum and his uh, his uh, Mary shows up at the brothers like she brings right. the local muscle, right. uh, and <laughs> and they're all crowded in the house. Yeah. And and Jesus is up there preaching. I love this piece of scripture. <laughs> and uh, and word comes up to him that your mother and your brothers are here to take you away because right. they mm-hmm. think he's beside himself, which means they think he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then Jesus does the ultimate. Yeah. You know. Who are my mother? Who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters, right? They're the people who believe in the will of God, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and so it's just like, boom, uh, let them go back to Nazareth because I'm here in Capernaum. Mm-hmm. This is self-differentiation, the Jungian model in the highest and best way. <laughs> right. He is done with these people. One of the things we get in Jesus all the time is a man who is self-differentiated. Mm-hmm. He is of his tradition. He is of his family, but he is never bound by his tradition, never bound by his family. Mm-hmm. He is the, you know, we see in Matthew the ultimate fulfillment of the law, the everythingness in him, and yet he's not bound by it. And Luke, he mm-hmm. takes that one step farther, which is you were pointing out the gospel to the Gentiles. You're both pointing that out. And here we get this. I love your, it's God's idea. It's not Jesus's idea, it's God's idea, mm-hmm. which is what the prophets are saying over and over about what you're talking about, which is in our world today, with the, with the, with the, the gross inequities of treatment of peoples in our world today, it's God's idea that we work to bring this uh, to an equal playing turf. It's not, it's not just the preacher's idea. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, both in their world and in our world, one of the things that the telling of the story in Luke 
shows me is that our agenda, or even our idea of God's agenda, is very often not actually God's agenda. Yeah. <laughs> it is not God's agenda, in fact. So mm-hmm. the way that this drama has unfolded is Jesus reads from the prophet Isaiah a text with which this community would be familiar and which encapsulated for them many of their hopes for their historical day, for their moment, for their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Not their children's lives, not their children's children's lives, for their lives. And then Jesus says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing and they've got an idea of what that means. And they all speak well of him. They all witness well of him and they, uh, they marvel at him perhaps about how arrogant he is. Some of them are like, you know, they go, well, I don't know, isn't it Joseph's son? Uh, you know, but they are, they think they know what Jesus is saying. And then mm-hmm. Jesus pulls out the rug mm-hmm. from their understanding of oh, God's yeah. agenda. Right. So, you know, even, you know, we're, we're just, um, I, you're, you're mentioning, uh, you're mentioning just war theory and, um, I, I, a lot to say about just war theory and about pacifism. Really, really interesting, uh, for another time. Uh, but you know, the, 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 the story that I always think of is that of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a committed pacifist, believed in nonviolence and yet wrestled and came to the conclusion at the end of his life that it was his vocation from God to participate in an assassination plot against a political leader, Adolf Hitler, which was diametrically opposed, ran in completely the other direction of his understanding for the whole of his life up to that point of what God's agenda was. I think that God is inscrutable in some ways, beyond human knowing, and that God's ways are often beyond human knowing and mysterious. And one of the things we see in this story is, I think one of the things we see in the story of Jesus, period, is that we've been talking about for several months at this point, is people's expectations of Jesus and what he's about and what he's going to do and how their expectations are thwarted in a way that is unbelievably beautiful, but really causes people some vexation, to put it lightly. They want to hurl him off a cliff. Mm -hmm. We want to hurl him off Mm -hmm. a cliff. Um, and I think, about, I think about the way that in prayer, it's basically, prayer, I think, is our putting our agenda in the hands of God, <laughs> for God to make of it God's own agenda. But in every prayer that we have, uh, there's, there's always the, there, there's always, okay, so I, I just think that most of my prayers anyway, that my prayers for things that I want for those who I love, or for people in my life, or for my life, or, or for your lives, for the lives of those who are listening to us, or those in our parish, or for our world. Very often what happens is it's like I give God something that I want, and then God remolds it in some way, and then gives it back to me, and it's changed. Mm-hmm. And I think that prayer is like a, it's like a, um, it's like a miniature technology <laughs> by which human beings can put our will in God's will, knowing that God's agenda and our understanding of God's agenda is so often Mm. not God's agenda, in fact. Yeah, I mean, speaking of prayer, I think Jesus and Luke especially models a life of prayer Mm -hmm. that is even bracketed in this passage we have today, Mm. going back to the beginning of chapter 4, where he's in the wilderness, tempted by Satan, you know, his contemplative time of preparation for his action 
and um, and look what it leads him to. He can pass through this mob, this angry right. mob, and go on his way. Right. You know, and and not only that, I just feel like he never really um, gets uh, his vision never gets obscured by the response of anyone, mm. um, positive or negative. Like he. If they love, if the interpret, if the reading of this is, oh, they were spoke well of him and were amazed. Mm. He never says, oh, I give him more of that, you know, <laughs> like that. That was a crowd pleaser. Instead, he's just like, this is that's not where I was going with this, you know. Yeah. And he's never, um, he's he's always got his vision set on the far horizon that mm. his purpose yeah. is. And then, yeah. so the te- the lead me not into temptation. Mm-hmm. that he's learned in the wilderness, mm-hmm. I think is operating on every level for him. And he's just so singularly focused on that purpose that God has for the world. And he just picks up and goes on his way. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the, the embodiment of a contemplative life. That's mm. where the prayers are serious, hard work, you know, yeah. and serious, dedicated, um, resolve to live out a, a life from God and not from a crowd and not from one's own mm. sense of feedback, mm. which I think is very hard to do as a public person or, right. or any kind of social person. You're absolutely right. It goes back in psychological language to the self-differentiation you were talking about, Peter. Yeah. I think you're exactly right, Elizabeth. Uh, really, really wow. beautiful here, and uh, noting you know, Luke's uh, telling of the story with Jesus uh, uh, is most in prayer in the Gospel according to Luke, and then in Gospel according to John, we get we get the mm-hmm. content of Jesus's prayer mm-hmm. primarily with the intimacy with the Father, yeah. which is which is demonstrated here in the outward manifestation of that as he walks through the midst of them, right? And mm-hmm. and I love your characterization of the the, the the centeredness and the wholeness with which he walks through the, the crowd. Uh, and it says that they might hurl him off the cliff. Uh, one of the older translations is more to my favorite. They, they, <laughs> they sought to throw him off headlong, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, you know, just what we all need to know. So uh, we're coming to the end of our time here, uh, finishing up with the fact that they didn't get to throw Jesus off headlong, uh, and, and our man uh, came through today uh, completely whole uh, as, he, as he drops the word on his, on his old hometown and keeps on moving. Anybody with a, a last word before we, we go off and let people get their lives back? I think Elizabeth's word was really the last word. What was See, that? No, I mean, I thought I had the last word. I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> the invitation to the headlong contemplative life. The last word. Yeah, headlong. Yeah. Dive headlong into the contemplative life. Exactly. I think that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's just the way it rolls when you're the boss. Okay. So I hope that you will like and you'll subscribe and you'll comment to us because we really have a great desire to be uh, at one with Christ with all of you too. So peace be with you. Thanks for hanging in for so long. See you again. Oh, 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 oh,